In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for today is the Old Testament lesson, Jeremiah. It's the call of Jeremiah. It's where the Lord let Jeremiah know that he was called to be a prophet. The Lord said to him, I have called you to prophesy. I called you before the, you were born in the womb, and now that's who you are. Well, Jeremiah, of course, wasn't that fired up about being a prophet for the Lord because the prophets usually had it pretty rough. So Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, uh, I am only a boy. I don't know what to say. He used the I'm just a kid excuse. And the Lord said, Well, you don't have to know a lot. All you have to do is open your mouth because I'll put my words in there and they'll fall out when you get there. Rats. I guess I'm a prophet, Jeremiah. He, had a, he went for 40 years prophesying. He was called a traitor. He was called a heretic. He prophesied that, the, that Israel would be overrun by Babylon, they, and eventually they were taken into captivity. He foretold all that. He said, if you don't repent, and that's exactly what happened. And people didn't like it very much. You can tell, because in the gospel lesson for today, Jesus said, a prophet is never without honor except in his hometown. And, you know, when you go back to where you were born, like I go back to Minnesota or Illinois or places like that, they all knew me back when, so I don't have much honor there. Can't be very, very prophetic there. So Jesus was saying, you probably want me to do a few things like I did at Capernaum, don't you? Oh, yeah, well, guess what? I'm not going to because this is my hometown. You can't do much here. And then they wanted to throw him off a cliff. So that's the kind of reception prophets got, which explains why they were usually pretty reluctant to be the mouthpiece of God. And we look back to some of the other ones. Remember Moses? The Lord said to Moses, Go, Moses, and say to Pharaoh, Let my people go. And Moses said, Well, I, I, I don't talk very well. And he said, Well, I'll send your brother Aaron. He can talk for you. Now, if I was Moses at that point, I'd said, Well, then just send Aaron. What do you need me for? You know, I'll just be standing there like a ventriloquist. I don't, you know, just send him. But of course, Moses was the one who knew how the court in Egypt went with the Pharaoh, so he was necessary to be able to speak that language and tell Aaron. But Moses, you know, didn't want to be a prophet. Gideon, well, I don't have enough status. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be good prophet material. Yeah, your status is fine. Now go. Say what I told you. Amos, he, uh, he had a good excuse too. As the Lord said, he was prophet. I'm no prophet. I'm a farmer. Well, you're a prophet now. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, then we had uh, Isaiah. Oh, I, 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 can't be a, I can't be a prophet. I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't know what that meant. If he told a dirty joke or cussed once or something, I don't know what that meant. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he said, sent an angel to touch his lips with a burning coal. He said, now your darn lips are clean. Go prophesy for me. And finally, the most reluctant prophet of all, the one you remember the, the best, Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach repentance and possible destruction. And Jonah got in a boat and went to Tarshish, <laughs> the other end, the opposite end of the Mediterranean world. That's where he was headed when he got thrown overboard and swallowed by the sea monster and, and spit up then, of course, at Nineveh, where he should have gone in the first place. So prophets were, were not, you know, nobody was taking their children and saying, ooh, go to school to be a prophet. That's a good job for you. Uh, nobody wanted that. Everybody wanted to be a priest, because if you were a priest, you got to do the cool ceremonial stuff and be honored and well taken care of. 
But nobody wanted to be a prophet, the mouthpiece of God, because oftentimes they had to speak words of judgment from the Lord. Sometimes they got to speak words of reconciliation and hope, and that was good, but the other part was, was kind of tough. So I looked at all these prophets again, at their reluctance, and it hit me, these guys must have all been Lutherans. <laughs> well, of course, they couldn't have said that until after 1517, but, but at least they were pre-Lutherans. You know, they, they set the stage for Lutherans later on. They didn't want to say anything for the Lord. And so let me speak prophetically a little bit to all of you today. I read a sociological study some time back about Lutherans speaking the words of the Lord, speaking their faith to other people. You'll not be surprised at this, Eddie, Mr. Evangelism. Uh, they 90 percent of Lutherans either rarely or never spoke to anybody about their faith. Forty percent of Lutherans who attended three out of four Sundays said something. Thirteen percent of Lutherans said something once a month to their children about Jesus. Twelve percent said something to their children once a week about Jesus. So let me be prophetic here a minute. That's not very good. So what's the holdup here? What's, what's, what's the reason for this? Well, I can give you part of it. Um, as I've said before, in Europe, northern Europe, after the Reformation, there was no evangelism for 150 years because everybody was either a Catholic Christian or a Lutheran Christian. Everybody belonged to the church. And so there was no need for that. Well, then we came to America, and we gathered in our ethnic enclaves and went to church, the Norwegians with the Norwegians, the Swedes with the Swedes, the Germans with the Germans, the Finns with the Finns, the Slovaks with the Slovaks. Yeah, we all got together in, in those, and everybody knew where the church was, and, who, and if they were going to come, they were going to come, and that's it. So there was nothing there. All right, that kind of explains how we got to be who we are, but it doesn't excuse it. It doesn't mean we have to stay that way, does it? I mean, we have, we have pretty good news to give people. We don't have to declare oracles of judgment very much like the Old Testament prophets. So it shouldn't be that bad. We probably won't get run out of town. We probably won't be beaten. We probably won't be killed for saying things. Or not yet, anyway. They are in some parts of the world. So we could do that. So what's, what's your best excuse for why you can't say anything and be the mouthpiece of the Lord? Are you too young? I'm just a kid. Are you, are you a farmer, not a prophet? Are, you, are your lips unclean? Did you say a cuss word at some point? Uh, you know, did, what, what, you just don't want to do it? Jonah, go the other way. What's your best, what you would call reason, what God would call excuse? What's your, what's your best reason for that? That's something to think about today. Because clearly, Jesus said that we should carry the gospel message of the good news of Christ's death and resurrection, that death no longer has a hold on people, that we can be reconciled to God. Clearly, Jesus told us that that should go throughout the entire world. But Jesus never got out of Palestine. So clearly, he was counting on somebody else than himself to get that word out. And that would be us. That's our job. Now, I'm not saying that as a Lutheran you're going to jump out there and, 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 and be totally out front. For example, my old friend Cliff Bell, 
who, who died of cancer several years ago. He was sober for 17 years before he died, had a great spiritual life, and he had some Baptist and Pentecostal background, and, and he was out front with, you know, talking about the Lord all the time. I met him at Walmart one day, just happened to, I rarely go to a store, so that was odd in and of itself. And I met him at Walmart. I said, how you doing? He said, great, I'm doing great. He said, how you doing? I said, fine, except I got this headache. This won't leave me. He dropped his packages in the aisle in the middle of Walmart, laid hands on me and prayed over me to get rid of that headache. I'm not saying that Lutherans are going to do that. I'm not that dumb. But what I am saying is, we could do better. I remember talking to uh, some nurses at the nursing, nurses station in, in the hospital. And somehow we got on the subject of church. There's a few nurses, a social worker and me. And, uh, and this one nurse said, well, I, I, I really don't go to my church anymore. I just, I don't get anything out of it there. It, I don't know. Another one said, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hit and miss too. And then the other nurse said, oh, you got to come to my church. Oh my goodness. The people are so warm and friendly. The message is always so good. I always have something I can take home and use during that week. The music is uplifting and outstanding. It's tremendous. I, I feel like I missed out if I'm not there. You got to go to my church. I'll pick you up Sunday. And I thought to myself, obviously not a Lutheran. <laughs> uh, but we, we, this, this, is, this is our part of our calling. Yes, we come together here to worship and get strength and so forth. But a, a, a large part of the reason we exist it, we're one of the few organizations that exists mainly for the sake of its non-members. And we, we have something good to share, I, I hope. And you don't have to say it in some, some other words. It's, I know part of the fear is I don't know enough Bible passages, and if I get into a, a, a battle of theological wits, I'll be an unarmed man. And I'll, you know, be, well, you don't have to say anything real complex. How, how much theology do you have to know to say, uh, that sounds like a rough situation you're in. I've, I've been in similar stuff myself, and I know it's hard. But the thing I found is that the Lord was with me and gave me strength, and I made it through. It was bad, but the Lord was there to help me, and it, it made all the difference. So you don't have to be a great theologian to say that. Uh, how about saying prayers in public? You know, I asked Deborah one time, you want to say a, the prayer before? Are you kidding? Say a prayer in public? I don't think so. Well, um, how about this one? Uh, Lord, help us and thank you. Amen. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that, that big and bold. So today we look at ourselves as being the mouthpieces of God. We are how God gets his word to other people. And I think we could do better. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.